Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, friends? Welcome back to Forward Progress, live here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm Jason. I'm here. I'm your host every single Friday for our Friday Prop Show. we got some great guests for you today. But before we get into that, guys, before we see the guests, I need you guys to do me one quick favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Share it with one friend this show because we're trying to grow it and we're trying to make this a little bit larger. We've been happy. What we've seen in the chat so far with you guys interacting with us back and forth. So make sure you drop your plays in the chat. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Let us know what you're playing this week so we can kind of interact with you guys here. Uh, and just a quick reminder, none of this would be possible without our sponsors over at Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book available to bettors for 25 years. We love to preach line shopping on this channel. And with everyday competitive odds, Pinnacle should be one of your available outs. If you're looking to support the show and sign up to Pinnacle, make sure you use code HAMMER when signing up. Join, uh, your trusted sports book for 25 years. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly and not available in the U.S. Guys, I'm just going to br- I'm going to bring the crew on the screen right now. Joining us right now, we have Matthew Freeman from the Fantasy Life, Jack Miller from Establish the Run and John Legaza from The Athletic. Guys, we got a good show for you today. And let's just jump right into it here with the Thursday night football matchup, which is where we usually like to start here. Saints lost to the Jags. And unfortunately, me and I know Matt were under betters last night. That was pretty painful to watch in the fourth quarter there but regardless of that and the outcome of this game here something I want to talk about is kind of Alvin Kamara and this offense's usage of him and just this Saints offense as a whole because I mean yesterday we talked about how poor Derek Carr was uh throwing the ball downfield and now like you have Alvin Kamara who's being used like a workhorse I mean he's towards the tail end of his career he looks pretty good but I mean the biggest thing that stuck out to me about this game was that those last two drives for the Saints, they were able to march the field and they were slicing up that Jags D like butter. And it made me look at the stat here. So it's series conversion rate. So the amount of times a first down, the team is able to convert it to another first down. And it's the series conversion rate for the Saints when starting with a pass, it's 46%. And then starting with, excuse me, starting with a run, it's 46%. And then starting with a pass, it's 81%. So they're able to convert throwing the ball downfield here. But I mean, running the ball, they're not able to do anything, but they love to run the ball here. So What my question to you is, is what have you made of the Saints offense so far? And we'll start with Matt here. And I mean, what have you been made of making of Pete Carmichael's play calling duties for the Saints here? He's been the offensive coordinator there for 15 years. Is it time for a change of scenery for him? What's what's what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Yeah, I mean, the Saints offense has been pretty underwhelming so far. Like when you're relying on I want like Alvin Kamara is not washed, but he's like not nearly as dynamic as he used to be. And when your top weapons are Alvin Kamara and we'll say like Taysom Hill as kind of like the like dynamic, like change of pace, like, oh, hey, we need a first down. Let's give the ball to Taysom Hill. And, and they're using Taysom Hill more as a receiver. Like when you are relying on those two guys, 
uh, instead of Chris Olave. And Olave got like 15 targets yesterday. So it's not like they're relying on him, but these aren't like efficient targets. So when you're relying on those two guys instead of Olave, instead of Michael Thomas, instead of Rashid Shahid, like I feel like you're not optimizing what it is that you're doing. So I don't know if it's time for a change because I feel like Pete Carmichael probably has like a lot of utility, just Mm -hmm. not as a play caller. Yeah, fair enough here, but more so not even a change of OC, but just a change in play calling duties here. Now, John, you you brought up a stat to me earlier today about Alvin Kamara and his, his his I guess, efficiency. It's been kind of underwhelming in the passing game. Why don't you let us know what that is? Jake, can you hear me at my screen? I'm having real tech issues. Yeah, yeah, can you yeah. hear me? I hear you. You're good. You're good. Okay, so I can't read anything off my screen. I'm going dark. But I was mentioning to you before that, yes, listen, checking down to the running back can be effective to get some first down you're gonna hear me mention that another second you can't just funnel double digit receptions and more than a dozen targets to the running back these are known to be negative epa plays i was mentioning to before the numbers i think kamara is 15th in the league with 35 catches he only has 10 first downs and the majority of those came last night just Mm -hmm. way too much getting funneled through them Jay, until you see me kind of get things under control, maybe give me a second, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got I you. Love, I got to say for a second, uh, John going dark, that feels like a metaphor. You know, like that's uh, that's <laughs> not, not just symbolism. And, and to his point about Alvin Kamara, I mean, he has 39 targets on the year in four games. Like wide receivers would love to have that kind of usage. And it's, it's crazy, too, considering he's only played, like, what is it, three or is it four games now? Four games, right, with yeah. that suspension early on in the season. Jack, do you have any thoughts on this Saints offense, anything that you're looking at here? Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly with uh, with the rest of you. It was Kamara's second 14-target uh, game of the season, which is just absolutely ridiculous. They, Like Matt said, they have good weapons in Olave and Rashid Shahid and Michael Thomas. Um, Derek Carr on the year, his, his eight out is 9.2, which is – pretty decent but it was 6.6 yesterday and I think they need to make more of an effort to to not just be checking it down to Kamara all the time and actually get the ball downfield in the hands of their weapons yeah and it's the funniest thing if you take a look at next gen stats website you can take a look at the passing chart from uh from Derek Carr here and you could just see a cluster of like I think it's like 10 passes in that like little pocket five yards like less than five yards down the field right in front of the line of scrimmage and it's just peppered with with uh completions and those are all going to Kamara a couple there to Taysom Hill as well I mean it's it's been a crazy crazy uh watching the Saints team play for the past couple of weeks but let's just move on here uh let's head over to Matt let's get right into our props here Matt we're going to start with you and I just want to remind the chat if you have any questions regarding any of these props here uh please feel free to drop them in the chat below you all you have to do is be subscribed and you can comment in the chat and we will be discussing. We already see a couple plays in the chat that we'll be discussing towards the end of the show. So make sure you do that right here. Matt, let's just start with you on this. I mean, first prop we have here, it's going to come from the one o'clock slate. We have the AFC East matchup between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills squeak going out last week against New York Giants there. I mean, there was a great tweet about Josh Allen, how he constantly plays down. Like his curse is that he plays down to his opponent, his opposing quarterback. I mean, I'm worried about that this week with him going up against Matt Jones. Not actually, but uh, anyways, let's let's uh, dive right into this prop here. Matt, you're looking at Gabe Davis for this matchup. Let us know your handicap here and what prop you like. Yeah, I like over 33 and a half yards receiving for Gabe Davis. Uh, the aggregate projection at Fantasy Life for this is 50.6. I would bet it to like, 
38 and a half, maybe even a little bit more than that, to be honest. But I like, I don't think it's going to get that high. Uh, Davis's prop of 33 and a half yards. It's not just the lowest mark he's had this year. It's the lowest uh, since last year, you know, like at no point has he had a number this low in the market. And last week, the number was 43 and a half, like a full 10 yards higher than what it is this week. Uh, but he had a season low 21 yards receiving. And so that resulted in his prop dropping, but it's an overreaction, like a pretty significant overreaction as a full-time player since last year, he's played in 23 games. That's including the playoffs. He's gone over 33 and a half yards, 17 times. That's 73.9% of the time. So I think uh, this is a pretty good spot for him. He has an explosive 11.4 yards per target this year for his career, 9.4 yards per target. So he's an efficient player. He doesn't really need all that many targets to have a pretty decent chance of hitting the over. And then this year he's averaging a respectable five targets per game. Uh, and I think just in general, a pretty good matchup against the Patriots. So uh, yeah, again, I would bet this up to 38 and a half, maybe even a little bit more than that. Yeah, fair enough. You just want to bring John back on into the fold here. And you're talking about Gabe Davis here, the over of 33 and a half receptions, minus 115. Going to lock that in. Minus 115 is widely available across the board here, Matt. And like you said, I mean, 14.9 a dot on the year, 446 air yards for Gabe Davis here. And he's on the field like 80-ish percent of the time. So, I mean, I love this one. This is a great smash spot and a good bounce back spot for Gabe Davis here, who's, like you said, gone over this quite a few times in his career here if uh let, let's move on to the next prop bet here and i'm gonna look at uh you jack and we're gonna stick with this bills and patriots game uh we're gonna be looking towards the other side of the football here though we're gonna be looking at the new england patriots their pass catchers and you're gonna go back to the well you're hitting those unders on those longest receptions i love those bets those are always a lot of fun to play so tell me who you like in the new england passing game here to go under on their longest reception yeah, I mean, it's a relatively low number, but I, I still think Juju Smith-Schuster under 12 and a half on the longest reception um, is a pretty good bet. His dot is 5.8 on the year. I mean, last time we saw him a couple weeks ago before he, he had that head injury, he had four targets, uh, three catches and six yards on a negative 0.78 dot. So they're just not using him down the field at all. Like he at this point, it looks like he pretty much can't get down the field there. Getting back, uh, they have Tyquan Thornton back, Demario Douglas too. So, I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed. It's it's up in the air, I think, how many snaps Juju's going to end up playing um, with with everyone available. So between that and the fact that he really is uh, not much of a downfield threat at this point, I'm taking the under on uh, 12.5 longest reception. Yeah, and the market seems to be a couple books moving off the 12 and a half uh, down towards that 11 and a half here. Pinnacle lined at 12 and a half minus 106 towards the under. It seems to be the best price and market of legal books here. Um, I mean, listen, if you want to get in on this, you probably want to get on in on this now because it looks like the way the market is moving, it's going to be moving towards the under on this longest reception here. And like you said, there's so many pass catchers in this New England offense, even though it's terrible. But I mean, there's just so many mouths. I don't want to say to feed, but like so many mouths fighting for scraps. Uh, I can easily see this one smashing the under of 12 and a half here at minus 105. Um, John, let's move on to you here. Uh, you're back, right? So yeah, let's uh, let's take. OK, perfect. Let's take a look at the Chicago and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders game. The backup, the excuse me, the battle of the backup quarterbacks here. We know that Tyson Bajan is going to be playing for the Chicago Bears. I looked around. It seems like it's still up in the air for the Raiders if it's going to be Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer here. But that doesn't matter because we're looking at the Chicago Bears side in particular. Bears minus two and a half point favorites with the unknown quarterback, which is I find to be very interesting here, John. 
You're known for your reception ladders. Who do you like on the Bears here and why? All right, yes, we're still with Bajan Zero. My, my man, Tyson Bajan, has been basically wholly discarded by tons of analysts, even a bunch of guys that I really respect, basing it off, I don't know, a couple of passes last week. Not enough, man. He hasn't ever practiced with the first team. You kind of threw him into the fire, which kind of goes to your point about the quarterback situation in Las Vegas. Notice, Jimmy Garoppolo leaves mid-game. They didn't go to AOC. They went to Hoyer. You go to the experience to kind of crash land the plane. So, I don't want to say I don't care what I saw from Bajan, but it wasn't all terrible. First of all, this guy absolutely broke Division II college football. Absolutely broke. Last two years, 9,600 yards, 94 passing touchdowns over two seasons, right? Listen, the Bears had signed P.J. Walker. People are discarding this. Everyone says, follow the money, follow the money. They signed P.J. Walker and cut him, even though they guaranteed him money to bring Bajan on board. They believe in him. I kind of liked what I saw, believe it or not. Fields took four sacks on 17 dropbacks. Bajan only took one through 14. He was 10 of 14. I know it was 83, and he threw a rather ugly pick, which is the pass everyone seems to be focusing on. But like I said, I'm a reception guy. I don't really care. 71% completions was fine. He was also pretty effective in the play-action pass, three for three, and he looked very crisp doing it i mean it looked it looked really good he also kind of hyper targets the wideouts something you and i have spoken about through the season jay mm -hmm. new quarterback means new target distribution the vegas d has been good for like any almost any kind of statistical measure but they really are below average in the blitz and the pressure and hurries and sacks so i think beach is going to get to operate which is why vegas is really last in snaps per splash i should say splash per snaps i guess and all the zone and cover three is why they're bottom 10 in completions per game. Give me Darnell Mooney's always on the field. I got over two and a half receptions. I had to have you double check this. Plus 135. Yep, that's I mean, good. He's, uh, only played, he's only played in three games and he's gotten four twice. So we're going to get three receptions at plus 135, four receptions at plus 360, five receptions at plus 925. So let's go 8-1-1, people, right? If I like to break up my ladders, use the same wrist that we would, let's call it one unit. That's why I say 8-1-1. If you're a $10 better, it's 8-1-1. $100 better, 80-10-10. I'm all about this one. I mean, he's on the field 88% of the time in the games. He's played third in team targets, second in air yards, and like I said, four receptions in two of the three games. So I think we get the three receptions pretty easily. Hopefully less of a sweat than Powell put me through last week. I know that was a big sweat, but hey, he, he got those three receptions for you like you needed, so we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it and move on here. And I mean, that's a great point about the sack rate here because uh, PFF has done some great work about sack rate not being a function of the O-line and more so being a function of the QB itself. So maybe with a new QB coming in, we're going to see instead of him taking those sacks that Justin Field would have taken, just dumping off the ball and hey, maybe that's Darnell Mooney. And then on top of that, like you mentioned, potentially a Raiders D regression there. Uh, let's Move on, though, to the next game. We got a very fun matchup. And I mean, when I was looking at this slate, I noticed a lot of garbage. But then I noticed a couple really, really fun matchups. And this is one of them here. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Chargers who are taking on the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs offense is an interesting one to bet on here in the props in particular. Because, I mean, other than Travis Kelsey, where the heck is that ball going? You can spin a wheel and like that probably have a better chance of predicting where that ball is going to go on the next play than any of us right here. But... Good thing we're not taking the over. We're taking an under here. So Matt, uh, you're taking a look at the under on a certain player in the pa in the passing game for the Chiefs here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, looking at Kadarius Tony under 29 and a half receiving yards. The projection, uh, the aggregate projection is 26.4 at Fantasy Life. So, like, not all that far, but like that's based on an average instead of the median. Like, the median projection would probably be around 22 and a half. So, I, th- I still think that there's kind of some room on the under here. And I mean, Tony, like, he's yet to play more than 42% of the offensive snaps in any game this year. Uh, he's not like someone that they are really uh, incorporating into the offense. He has 4.2 targets per game. And like in general, you would think that might be enough to give him a pretty decent shot of hitting this number. But he has like the A dot of a running back. Like his A dot is 2.2 yards. That makes it really hard to accumulate receiving yards. Like he has 55 air yards for the year and he's played in six games. He's a theoretical playmaker, but he has just 3.7 yards per target this year, 6.3 since joining the Chiefs last year. And his 10 games with the Chiefs last year, that's including the playoffs, he had more than 29 and a half yards just three times. Uh, This year, six games, he's had more than that number just once. And like, here's the thing that's kind of wild. His prop of 29 and a half is actually like, it's high, like in comparison to the props that he's normally had in the market. Uh, like it's higher than all of the other numbers he's had, except for uh, the 30 and a half he had in week one. So like, despite his performance, like the market hasn't priced him down. Like he's actually priced near his ceiling. So I think there's some pretty decent value in this number of Kadarius Tony under 29 and a half yards receiving. Oh, by the way, the team just traded for Miko Hardman, right? Like he could start yeah. to eat in into Kadarius Tony's snaps. Yeah, and I, 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 there's 29 and a half on the board here, but most the most widely available number is the 20 and a half. Are you good with me locking yeah. that in? 20 and yeah. a half minus 110 here. It's only one yard. I mean, hopefully we don't get burnt on the hook like we did two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so let's lock this in here. 28 and a half under receiving yards for uh, Kadarius Tony here, and and I like that you mentioned the Michael Hardman thing here because I mean, like you said, like he could easily eat into that workload and i think maybe this line is lined like this because we're seeing kind of like an uptick in the snaps here but i mean listen why would they go out and trade for me cole hardman if they were confident in Kadarius tony they just wouldn't have done that right so i mean it makes a lot of sense for me here so i like that one locking that in Kadarius tony under 20 and a half receiving yards minus 110 here let's move on from that game though let's go back to another game that's more of a privilege to watch and we're going to take a look at the falcons and bucks game Jack, you like a player here. You're obviously going back to the longest reception, the under. And we're going to take a look on the Bucks side here. Baker Mayfield looked like he kind of turned back into a pumpkin before that Cinderella story of the first three weeks here. Who do you like on this Bucks team to go under on their longest reception? And tell us a little bit why. Yeah, um, I'm going to take a minute just to... I like the phrase theoretical playmaker to describe Kadarius Tony from, from Friedman. <laughs> I, I think that's a good synopsis of his entire career so far. Um, but my play is going to be Kate Otten under 12 and a half longest reception. Uh, he's another guy with a, a really small a dot. And even though he's on the field a bunch, he has just a 10.4% target share on the year. So he's not much of a target earner. Um, the Falcons defense is nothing special against tight ends, but, uh, it's really just a bet against Otten being able to earn targets. And then when he earns targets, being able to, um, actually get downfield and, and gain a significant amount of yards on those targets. Yeah. Uh, fair enough here. And uh, looking at the board, longest reception, like you said, 12 and a half uh, minus 120 looks to be uh, what's widely available here on the under. And I mean, listen, I don't know if I'm going to be, I'm, I'm probably going to be betting on this game, but I don't know if I'm going to be watching it too much here. I've had enough of the Falcons. I don't know why I do this to myself every single week, but uh, moving on from there, John, going back to the reception ladder, 
and in this one, I talked to you. Uh, talked. I mentioned earlier about how many good games are on the slate. This is one of those good games here with the Ravens taking on the Detroit Lions. Ravens right now three point favorites at home. And it's important to note, I don't know how much this means. We don't really have much data on it, but the Ravens elected not to have a bye week after playing their game in London last week and decide to play their game. Obviously this week, they'll be playing the Detroit Lions. As I mentioned earlier, don't know how much that's going to affect them. Thought it's worth mentioning here, but John, you're looking at a reception ladder for one of the Ravens pass catchers here. So tell us who you like here and why. This is a little bit out of character for me. I tend to bet on bad football players for whatever reason. <laughs> We're going to go with Mark Andrews this time, right? People have actually heard of, people have actually heard of this guy, right? They're usually by place. People like thumbing through their, you know, their depth charts. All right. Mark Andrews, four and a half receptions is at plus 100. I mean, right at the bat, that just kind of grabbed me as, okay, I could get down with that. Remember he missed game one. So since week two, since coming off the injury, second in on the team, basically across the board, targets, receptions, target per route, team target percentage, and team air yards. Again, I mentioned five games, two times four, two times five, and one times six. So it looks pretty good. He's cleared it in the majority of games. And I think, you know, I like to focus on the defensive stuff. People say styles make fights, right? The Detroit D, they play a lot of too high shell. That number's over 28%. And they're bottom 10 in defensive EPA against the slot. Again, those two things kind of work together, right? They're going to allow you to operate underneath which has led them to be bottom four in the league in both receptions and receiving yards allowed to the slot. That's 9.2 and 95. Nine catches for 95 allowed out of the slot. That's really near league worst. It's pretty bad. And Andrews has been operating out of the slot pretty effectively as well. 26 slot routes per game, five slot targets, or more than three slot receptions per game. Detroit also happens to be 29th in tight end receptions allowed. And they face, check it out, Blake Bell, Noah Gray, Colby Parkinson, Noah Fant, Will Disley, McCole Pruitt, Tucker Kraft. Maybe, stop me when you heard of one of these guys. Josiah DeGuerra, Luke Musgrave, Tommy Tremble, Ian Thomas, Hayden Hurst, Payne Durham, and Cade Otten. And then it was Kyle Pitts and John o. Smith. Those last two actually got five grabs apiece in the same game. My point being, Detroit, it's on purpose, right? This is a function of the defense. And that's why I've done so well with these rec ladders, Jay. Kind of, the opposing coach is like, fine. They, they want Andrews to have eight grabs, and they're going to try and tackle him, similar to the argument that Friedman was making before, right? They're, they're going to allow you to do it and then stop you right there. So we know Andrews can also target Hog. So I like the five base even money, but I think you could easily get him up to six or seven and kind of build on that progressive payout I mentioned. So give me Mark Andrews against Detroit. Plus, if it's going to be played close to three points, Andrews could be involved all the way through the fourth quarter. The Ravens' wideouts have been disappointing. This one kind of lines up really well for me. I wouldn't be surprised if this line closes at five. Okay, so no reception ladder here, but you're going to lock in the full four. Yeah, I think we just go for the five. The pricing on the six and seven is not great. Mm. I'm not saying you can't do it, but if you notice, the the ones I'd like to build up to, dude, the third rung on the Mooney ladder is a plus 925 for a sixth reception. That is nuts. I don't know who's drawing up these lines at best 365, but you you want to be on top of those things. For Andrews, it's like, Plus 275, not quite worth it. I'd rather just get my money and run on that one. Yeah, fair enough here. And I'm going to lock that in over four and a half receptions plus 100. And Matt, you wanted to have a quick comment on this one here. So I'm just going to throw to you quickly. Yeah, so this, like Andrews is one of my fantasy favorites this week. And one thing that, to John's point is that the Lions are without their strong safety, CJ Gardner-Johnson. Like that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that has really hurt them in uh, defense against the tight end position specifically this year. Okay, fair. Uh, that's important to note. Injuries uh, are always a major factor here when without CJ Gardner Johnson. And now I'm hate. doubling down. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was just having me doubling down whenever the Oracle is backing me. Man. 
<laughs> I love it here. All right, let's, our, let's get to our last prop here on the board before we turn to the comment section and answer a couple of questions that are in the chat right now. Guys, reminder, if you want to drop your questions down there, we'll be uh, covering them at the end of the show here right after this prop. So all you have to do is hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and then drop a comment on your favorite play uh, for this, this Sunday's slate of games here. Last one before we close it out. Most entertaining game on the board by far. Might be one of the most entertaining matchups of the year. We have a Sunday night football match between the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. And boy, I'm incredibly excited for this one. Uh, the, the Eagles right now minus two and a half, minus 117-ish range over at Pinnacle. Probably looking at flirting with that minus three. We'll see if it gets there uh, throughout the week. Matt, your last prop here. You're looking at the Miami backfield, the ever so potent Miami, Miami backfield. Sounds like we're going to get Jeff Wilson back. And uh, alongside Raheem Mostert and Sli Salvon Ahmed, and uh, I mean, you you like someone in this backfield for their rushing over. So who do you like and why? Yeah, I like Raheem Mostert over fifty and a half rushing yards. The aggregate projection we have at Fantasy Life is fifty eight point nine. Uh, I would bet this up to like fifty four and a half. Uh, even with Jeff Wilson returning like the ribs and finger injury that has kept him on IR, uh, Mostert should still be the clear lead back. And with this being Wilson's first game, I don't think he's going to like be uh, his full complimentary self. So I think Mostert is, you know, very likely to have at least 10 carries. He's had 10 plus carries in every game this year, but one. Uh, and he's one of the most explosive ball carriers. This year he has multiple runs of 20 plus miles per hour. He's number three in rushing yards over expectation, uh, expected per attempt. Um, and then since joining the Dolphins, 5.2 yards per carry uh, for his career, most of which has been with head coach Mike McDaniel. 5.4 yards per carry and that 5.4 is like the all-time mark uh for running backs with at least 500 carries it's like a whole bunch of like quarterbacks and then for running backs with at least 500 yards he's at the top and then right underneath him is bo jackson right like it's like he's been an extremely efficient runner throughout his career and with him the main question is like can he stay healthy and so like long term like he's not someone that you want as your lead back but in one single game He's someone that you can pretty confidently put out there and know that on a per attempt basis, like he's going to be pretty productive. And then the matchup, like the Eagles defense, it's good, but like it's not anything special against the run this year. They're number 18 in defensive rush rate uh, or sorry, defensive success rate uh, against the run. Like that's not I mean, they're like they're fine, but there's nothing special about them. So given all of that, like if Mostert has 10 carries. I think there's a pretty good chance he hits the over. And if he has like 12 to 14 carries, uh, this just feels like a total smash. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the way that they design the runs there for Miami, it's just get this, get these guys into open field with a couple of blockers downfield. And, and it's, it's just off to the races. And I mean, Jeff Wilson, he's, it's not like he profiles similar to Devon a chain here. I mean, it's completely different back. He's not really that quick back. He's more of kind of a, a bruiser here. So it's not like he'd be taking that sort of role. If anything, Mostert, like we saw last game, is the guy who's going to be dipping into that role here. So going to lock in Raheem Mostert. There's a 40, there's a rogue 49 and a half out there. If you want it, guys, go play it. Going to lock in the 50 and a half here over minus 110 here. And that just about does it for our props. Let's circle around, circle back to the comment section here. There's a couple comments with regards to some props here. First one coming for uh, from Josh uh, Drake London over 47 and a half 
minus 120 here. Matt, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on Drake London on maybe hitting his over here 47 and a half at minus 120? Uh, the comment men mentions that there's kind of been more of a target funnel and that Ritter and that offense has looked a lot better in the last couple of weeks. So what are your thoughts on kind of Drake London and his over? And I guess just this entire Atlanta offense, are we seeing that uptrend and are we going to be seeing a team that we saw kind of expected out of the gate here or you just staying off this? Uh, I have the projection for Drake London at 51.1. So I'm on the over, but not like massively on mm -hmm. the over. Um, I mean, that offense, it's just, it's so hard to anticipate week to week what they're going to do. I still feel like they want to run the ball, but they have needed to pass the ball a little bit more and they've done it. Um, you know, I would say well, like with inconsistent efficiency. Um, so I, I really, I kind of don't know in general about that offense, but for London, I, if I had to pick a side, I would probably go over, but like, I don't have great confidence in it. Yeah. And uh, if you guys want to chime in here on anything else, Jack or John, you let me know, but if not, we can move on to the next prop we have in the comment. Yeah. But here. yeah, I think you can get it to Buccaneers secondary, like for, like for sure. I was mm. kind of hoping Friedman was going to tell us Arthur Smith was finally capitulating to this new millennium of, you know NFL football where we actually use the the vertical pass the vertical pass the forward the forward pass that's the thing that's the thing that just got invented the forward pass we have seen them kind of chuck it a little bit I think if the games mm -hmm. get there look I wanted to get to the Buccaneer defense we hear a lot about it they're kind of turning into one of these pass funnels which I think you know is conducive to hitting these props again 25 completions a game for 247 they're also I believe dead last the bottom three in 20 yard completions allowed so London is getting the ball but again. Matt is right on the target. You never want to be too excited about backing the Atlanta Falcons offense for there. Yeah, and it seems like, like we said there, the game script is kind of the reason why we've seen them kind of pass a little bit more right. here. If it's up to Arthur Smith, he'd be running the ball every single play. But uh, let's move on there from uh, from that prop. And let's he move likes on to think to of it as running through the air. That's I'm sure he goes somewhere he's like, Honey, I ran 100% of plays. I, even, when, <laughs> even when we throw, we're running. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one here. Same, uh, same comment there. We got Barkley over 87 and a half rushing and receiving yards. I don't have a line for this one here just yet uh it's minus 110 sorry uh so yeah so barkley over 87 and a half receiving yards matt let's start with you the over of minus 110 uh the biggest question here for the new york giants is that o-line i mean they're dropping like flies left right center everyone is hurt for that team it's going to be a tough outing but i mean we saw barkley last week even with those injuries to the offensive line he still looked explosive he still looked like you know his old self and he looked healthy coming off that injury so matt what are what are your projections saying with uh barkley 87 and a half rushing and receiving yeah so uh i think he said under he's looking at the under minus 110 uh i under have, sorry yes i have a slight lean to the under here i have it 85.4 so like i'm okay. close I'm close to the market. You know, I would just in general veer towards unders, um, but I I probably wouldn't be betting this. But the, the point about the offensive line is uh, incredibly spot on. You know, Evan Neal uh, didn't practice on Friday. He's listed as questionable, but I would I'm I would be surprised. Like I'm skeptical if he plays. Andrew Thomas is out. John Michael Schmitz is out. Uh, their left guard, Shane Lemieux, went on IR with a, I believe, a biceps tear. Like they are just like absolutely wounded up front, and uh, it will be hard, I think, for Saquon Barkley to consistently be getting production. 
Um, and I don't know how Daniel Jones, how his likely return, I think he probably returns. He practiced every day this week and is questionable. Uh, I don't know how that factors into it, but uh, John and Jack might have thoughts on what that could mean for Saquon. Yeah, if you guys want to, wanna, John, go ahead. Yeah, I'm probably not going on the under with Barkley just because right now it is all hands on deck, you know, back against the wall for, for the Giants. And if you're ever going to overload your, you know, marquee back to try and steal a win, now is the time. And the thing in particular I don't like where I might go, if you want to go, I'm more apt to go under Barkley rushing yards mm-hmm. because it's, for me, I think there are more back doors to the Giants having to abandon the run game. Barkley's one of those guys that you like the idea of going rushing plus receiving besides the big playability is that it kind of keeps that bet live regardless of the game script. So I don't think I wouldn't, again, last thing is the Washington defense has not been good. One of the bigger misses by myself, I thought that might carry over. I thought I liked a lot of the young talent this year. Really a lot of bottom Bottom 10 metrics almost across the board. Running yards per game, yards per rush, yards before contact per rush, EPA per drop back, yards per reception, 20-yard completions. I mean, they have not been sturdy on defense. So I would probably avoid the under just because he had 28 touches last week. Like That's not really what I want to mess with. He's the only explosive player on the Giants right now. Yeah, Jack, you wanna you wanna chime in here on maybe the rush under the rush of sixty three and a half. That's the line right now for rushing yards, and then rushing and receiving uh, eighty seven and a half here. Yeah, we we have it projected as slightly over both lines, but I think on the mean versus median difference, it would it would basically be a, a no bet. So I'm with I'm with these guys that I'm not really touching either of the Barkley lines. Yeah, and if you really like that one, you might might be better off waiting towards game time because I could probably see this line creep up a little bit more here as you get closer to Sunday. Uh, I think uh, I don't see any more comments uh, with with props. So like that that seems like that's it for us. That's just about it, guys. Thank you so much for everyone for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate it. We love doing this show every single week here. And if you love watching the show, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, drop a comment on your favorite prop bet for the games for the Sunday slate here. And a reminder to everyone on this channel, live at 11 p.m. Eastern, we'll have Rob Azola going live for the pizza buffet where he goes through the entire NFL betting board Sunday morning, breaking down his favorite bets pregame that are still available on the board. The most important thing there, they're still available on the board. So if you're kind of lacking, uh, you feel like your, your, your bets are a little light for that week. You can always hop on with Rob Pizzola, check it out and bet live with him there. And then at eight o'clock, 8 PM Eastern on Sunday, we have our forward progress flagship show with Clive Bigsby and Rob Pizzola going through all the week eight games looking at the opening lines and kind of trying to get you guys some good CLV there. I know I got some good CLV on the Jacksonville and New Orleans under, but I mean, the CLV, the CLV really, anyways, uh, <laughs> it's always a good show. It always gets you prepped for the week ahead. So make sure you check out that show. So for myself, for John, for Jack, for Matt, this has been forward progress right here on the hammer betting network powered by pinnacle guys. Good luck on your bets this weekend. We'll see you next week.